Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining me on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, we got Chris Manning, Fear the Sword, and the Locked On Cavs podcast. Chris, thank you so much for joining me this uh, this morning, afternoon. No, man, it's it's a pleasure. It's being on the on ninety two three. This not only with you, but the same day Mirren Fader is on is like is like a real pleasure. <laughs> for me. Yeah, and make sure you guys stick around for that at uh, twelve forty. Chris Manning joining me, and Chris, you know, let's just let's start with Evan Mobley because you know earlier in the off season, Kobe Altman, you know, he talked about being on that Hawks and Suns timeline. Uh, when it came to the rebuild, but it, at the time it felt off to me just because you didn't have that centerpiece. Do you think that Evan Mobley can be that centerpiece? And at that point, you know, what kind of timeline do you think we're looking at for the Cavs? Yeah, no, I, I do think he can be the centerpiece. I think without question, I think when you think about the young guys they've drafted over the last couple of years, whether it's Darius Garland, whether it's Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, you know, getting Jared Allen last year, I really think that he probably – has the most upside, right? Like, I think he could be a franchise guy. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen right away. It's going to take, you know, I think Darius hitting another level. I think, you know, it could take Isaac, you know, figuring out the offensive end. Um, you know, we got to you got to make sure that the Jarrett and Evan Perrin pairing kind of works in the way Cleveland's hoping. I think the question is like, you know, like there there are, there are lineups next year that are really young that are really exciting, but are those going to allow you to hit the same level that you know Phoenix did? No, but. I think if you do things right, if you get the right development, if you have a more normal year and you make some smart signings around the edges here, like you could probably get in the the, the, the hope for the playing tournament next year. I think if you're Cleveland, that's what you're hoping for more than like you know making a real run to the conference finals or the finals next season. That to me seems wildly unrealistic. Now, Chris, looking at the way that Evan Mobley kind of fits into the offense, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense, at least, or in, into the team as a whole, you know, in the starting lineup with him at the four, you've got Allen, who is expected to re-sign. Um, real quick, do you think that uh, he ends up re-signing, or are you worried at all when it comes to the Toronto uh, interest that has been reported out there? I would be shocked if he does if he's not back in a Cavs uniform. I just think like even if he signs an offer sheet, um, they're going to match it, and I and I think there's a lot of interest on both sides for him to come back. I think he really actually has enjoyed being in Cleveland's part and feeling like they're embracing him as part of what they want to build here. Now, with the rest of that that starting lineup, the one, and and it feels wild to me, but I I feel like for Isaac Okoro, even though he was a top five pick last year, it almost just feels like he's kind of, you know, he's not even talked about really anymore, Um, even though he was a top five pick just a year ago, not even a year ago because it was a late draft. You know, 
for you, what do you expect out of Isaac Okoro in that year two? Because I'm expecting a little bit of a jump from him, especially seeing as how much work he's been putting in, and Kobe Altman couldn't help but talk about it. Yeah, I'm outrageously high in Isaac Okoro. Um, I am, if, if there is like an, uh, like a sequel to Waiter's Island that doesn't end up as like a horror <laughs> movie, um, it's Okoro whatever, and I, I am there. Um <laughs> His defense is outrageous. Like, I mean, I, I know people, like, see, like, oh, he gets scored on and stuff. But, like, playing defense in the NBA is extremely hard. And he's, like, already really good at it as a rookie. Um, was already really good as a rookie. He's added, like, it looks like the videos we've seen of him, that he's added, like, a lot of muscle. And he was already, like, kind of freakishly strong for his size. I think for him it just comes down to, like, okay, what is he going to add on the offensive end of the floor? We saw flashes at the end of the year where he looked more comfortable. He's never not looked comfortable shooting, but it just hasn't really gone in at the clip you would hope. If, if he's going to be the, hit his potential, it's gonna, he's going to need to at least be able to hit threes, catch and shoot threes at minimum, and, and maybe a few pull-ups. He's going to need to do some cutting. I think it's on him to develop, but I also think there's a lot on him, um, on the coaching staff, I should say, to really make the offense kind of work a little better and get him cutting, get him moving a different direction so he gets easier baskets. It isn't just standing around in the corner. I think you need to take Isaac and push him in different ways, but also his development is going to be key. And by all accounts, for him, like he's always been a guy that improves year after year after year. So I'm, I'm like betting on him in terms of his work ethic to kind of improve, but we, we got to see it this year for sure. Now, I'm glad you brought up the coaching staff there because I talked about it a little last segment, but, you know, the Cavs uh, – uh, key member of that coaching staff was Lindsey Gottlieb, who is credited for a lot of the development that we've seen. She obviously moves on over to USC uh, to coach their women's team. How do you think the loss of Lindsey Gottlieb going into this season, how do you look at the coaching staff, um, and, and how do you think that they'll be able to you know, deal with the loss of Lindsey with the coaching and the development of these players? Yeah, I, I think it's a fair question. I think Lindsey was really really sharp we had her on the pod once and she was uh fantastic um but i you know my my partner in crime evan damrell wrote a thing about this after the sword not too long ago and it was like okay like there is a brain drain here a little bit and there are coaches i think that do a really great job on that stuff i think gg outlaw is the name that people should know like he does a really really uh a lot of really good work with darius garland um antonio lang came from utah and he was credited with a lot of the gobert development there um, they have Dan Garrett, they have you know, Andrew Olsen, they have a lot of really, Mike Garrity, they have a lot of really sharp people um, to have been working with. But I, I also think like you need to, there, there's, you know, if they could have gotten Lloyd Pierce, Kenny Atkinson, someone like that to come in and specifically, I think, work on the offense more than anything else. Like the Cavs last year, you know, I understand weird season, weird personnel. I don't think of them as like a very modern offensive team. I think it's probably J.B. Bickerstaff's biggest weakness as a coach. I mean, I have that Wolves game they had early in the year when Drummond was on the team where the, the Wolves had no centers, and they, so they tried to post up Drummond like every possession or every other possession, and it just didn't work. And, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, like I understand why you want to do this, but it wasn't working. It, the numbers would tell you that Drummond's never been a good post-up player. And like it, it was uncreative. They're not a very creative, forward-thinking offensive team in my mind. So like, to me... I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, like if you're if you're the Cavs, if you're a team that wants to improve, the offense has to, I think, get more modern, embrace some principles that are going to make things easier for everyone, and not just only getting Darius, for instance, really big lead this year. Well, and actually, to kind of go off that too, obviously they draft Evan Mobley, and you know he's been somebody who 
obviously is going to be noted for his ability to bring the ball up and his versatility on offense. Does that concern you at all with the coaching staff at that point because of, you know, some of the uh, ways that they've had their offense kind of go over these last couple of seasons? I want to give them the benefit of a doubt because I, I think JB is like actually like a very practical, good coach. Um, I, 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 you know, I know, I know he's not like maybe the most inventive guy, but I think he's a guy that like does work well with what he's given to some extent. Um, and I, I just, I think we have to remember how weird the last years have been. I don't think it <laughs> absolves them for like some of the mistakes they have made or some of the the lack of creativity that I sort of think has been there. But like, you know, the, the two years ago, it's the John Beeline season. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> last year, the pandemic happens, and like you get like the one weird training camp. Um, you know, in September before they come back, they're off for all this time. Can't really do a lot. And then, like, you have the roster trim last year. The Kevin barely even plays. Drummond is in, and then he's out, and then it's a Jared misses time. Like, everyone was missing time at different points, and the season was so condensed that, like, NBA teams don't practice that much. And I don't, the Cavs probably practiced, like, in the teens, right? Like, it wasn't a lot of practice last year, and it's not even a lot of practice to install stuff. Like, I, I think it was really, really hard for them to actually, like, install stuff, and then the foundation wasn't there to build on. Like, a lot of this, if you want to look at, like, Utah or Denver as an example, not only do they have really good players, but they've had multiple years of continuity to really build up their schemes on both ends of the floor. Cleveland was just like, eh, I guess we got to figure this out on the fly, and, like, we're also going to change our personnel a lot. Like, it's really hard to do that. So, but I, so do I, like, there needs to be improvement, but it's also, like, there's reasons to, like, I think any coach, any situation would have really struggled with what the hand Cleveland kind of had to deal with for factors that were just not in their control. Chris Manning of Fearless Sword and Locked On Cavs joining me on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris, one of the other big additions, and, and might, go, might go under the radar in the long run, um, happened before the draft, and that was Torian Prince and a second-round pick getting sent along to Minnesota to bring in Ricky Rubio to the bench. And I saw some people that were trying to say, like, possibly bring him up as a starter or some fans on Twitter. But, you know, for Ricky Rubio, how big of an impact do you think he adds not only to the locker room, but, you know, to Darius Garland and Colin Sexton with their growth and development? I think it's a really interesting addition. I think it was the right play. I think from an asset standpoint, like Prince was an expiring contract. You have enough bodies, I think, to fill the minutes you're going to lose from him not being there. Um, I think you look at, like, the second-round pick. You have three next year. You didn't give up the Houston one, which is the most valuable one, so, like, that's fine. Dan Gilbert also threw some money in. Like, the Cavs are willing to spend, regardless of what you want to say about Dan and the Gilberts, like, they are willing to spend money. Like, that's one of the, their biggest advantages of having them as an owner. The thing about Rubio that I think is worth noting is that he had a really bad year last year. But he also, like, was kind of getting frustrated with how bad the Wolves were. So John Krasinski um, had a really – wrote about this trade from the Wolves side for the Athletic. And here's a, there's a portion of a quote from Rubio. Quote, I don't want to be in a team where there's no direction, there is no hope, uh, we can't take the next step. So, like, are the Cavs going to be able to offer Rubio something that is going to make him happy? And is he going to fit in kind of a situation where, like, I don't know if the Cavs are going to take, like, a massive step forward. I mean, maybe they flip him again. Maybe, like, they, they figure it out. But, like, I, I, I think it's a good idea. And I think if you're looking at getting a backup point guard, which I think this team needed, and you're looking at that market where it's campaign, it's Alex Caruso, and maybe the Cavs are still going to be interested in some of these guys, they're basically saying, like, we don't know if we're going to get some of these guys. We're going to make a play now and go get a really, really cerebral 
veteran guy and bring him in. And I, I like the signing. We just need to see kind of how it plays out and, and, and see who he f- plays well with. Like, I, I mean, if he can't, if he's going to struggle shooting like he did last year and has historically, um, like, you got to find how you're going to play him. Like, is he going to play, like, just spot minutes? Is he going to play with Colin? Is he going to play with Darius? Like, how that works out is worth watching. Now, you mentioned, too, that obviously Torian Prince, small forward, power forward for the Cavs, he ends up going out. You know, who do you think kind of fills the, the wing minutes on this team? Obviously, Isaac Okoro, but, you know, it feels like this Cavs team is, you know, either very short or very tall, at least, when it comes to the way this roster is built. Yeah, I think you're going to see – I think the way to do it here is to give guys chances, right? Like, I think um, if you're a market like Cleveland, player development is really, really key. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to develop guys on the cheap. So, like, he's had two really bad years. But, like, I get, let's, let's see what Dylan Wilder can maybe do. Like, let's see if you can get him healthy in the right headspace and try to rehabilitate him because his skill set should work. Um, you know what? Like, Jetty Osmond has a contract. Like, you can't – it's going to be hard to maybe move off of unless you're going to aggregate it. So, like, maybe a new year for him – you can get him back on the right track and kind of get him playing more within himself a little bit. And, look, I, I own Lamar Stevens stock. He has to figure out how to shoot, <laughs> but that guy is strong. That guy uh, can cut. He plays really hard. Like, I, I, there's upside there if you can develop him. And, again, that's something Cleveland has to do. They have to be able to develop these kind of fringe pieces and make them work, especially, look, you, you with this Kevin Love contract, whether he's going to get bought out and stretched or just bought out or just, like, is on the roster and it's all, it's all a weird vibe, like, he's making a lot of money, and that limits your flexibility. In another world, you could have gone out this summer, and maybe they'll find a way to still do it. They'll go out and make a play for, like, Doug McDermott. Um, they'll make a play. They can make a play for Josh Hart. Someone that is, like, a mid-level, exception-level player, a little bit above to, to beat the to maybe set the market or something. Like, that's harder to do when you have this Kevin Love contract on your books. So it's about, I think, giving those guys opportunities and, and hoping that one of them, if not multiple of them, can really develop. Now, with that being said, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up some of those free agents too because, you know, I don't want to be like the the typical you know fans that we see in the NBA where you know all of a sudden everybody thinks although you know some of the reports are saying that it seems like the Lakers can sign just about anybody for a veteran minimum at this point. You know, who are some guys realistically that you look at that could be those free agent targets for the Cavs that they could possibly bring in to add to possibly the bench or I mean hell even if they can get a starter. I think the cat. I think well. I think two names to watch that one I already mentioned. Well, two actually, uh, Caruso and Hart. I think the Cavs will have interest in them. Um, Larry at Nance knows them. I think he's word is. I think he's going to try and like, hey, like consider coming here. Um, I, I I would hundred percent kind of see if the Cavs get linked to them. But it's kind of you know probably a little bit of a cheaper option. Like I think someone like you know Reggie Bullock who was with the Knicks last year could be like kind of a, a affordable wing option. Uh Timothy Luol Cabarro from the Nets could be kind of a affordable option. Maybe they take a flyer on like a wing creator type like Malik Monk who's probably not going back to Charlotte at this point. Like um Garrett Temple from the Bulls would be kind of an older vet type that I would kind of like maybe bringing in. Like you're going to have some of that stuff. And like maybe you you know bring in like a third string center. I don't know if Harton signs going to be back at this point considering they drafted Mobley and are going to pay Allen and he opted out, but it's going to be kind of Bullock. Uh, maybe there's like another point guard out there. Maybe Kent Bazemore. Like, there's going to be really cheaper kind of options unless they can get themselves in the conversation to, you know, get um, maybe Hart or Caruso. If they can kind of swing that in some way. What do you think of uh, Otto Porter Jr. as a possible um, addition? I like it. I just want. I just, I think the thing that will happen here is like, okay, if the Cavs don't have the ability to overpay a little bit to bring these guys in. 
why would he not go to the Lakers for the taxpayer mid-level and compete for a title? Why would he not go to Brooklyn? Why would he not go to Miami because it's just like a better market? Why would he uh, – in, in, when I say better market, I mean, NBA players like the market better. I'm Cleveland until I die. Um, <laughs> like, why would he not go to like one of these teams that can compete for a title? Like That's, that's kind of the dilemma here. Is like, are you going to be able to – if you can't overpay these guys like by a couple million dollars, I wonder if – it's going to be hard to compete with some of the teams that could offer them like similar money or maybe even a little less money, but like they can get a guaranteed shot at playing deeper into the playoffs and maybe getting maybe getting a ring. Now, Chris, I mean, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't ask you. Obviously, now that we have Evan Mobley on the team, you know, you you didn't see an addition when it came to uh, at least more scoring help at that point. You got Colin Sexton. You got it looming over the team. I know you've probably been asked about this 20 billion times at this point. You know, what are your thoughts on Colin Sexton with Mobley? Do you, do you see a fit possibly there? And do you think that they hold on to him through uh, through the season? Look, I, I this situation is, like, so complicated in ways it doesn't have to be. <laughs> like, Colin Sexton is, like, a nice, good player. Like, there are clear things he needs to improve on, like, doesn't take enough threes for my for I think what you'd want him to do at his volume, or even if he's like going to dial it back a little bit. Like the passing has gotten better, it's like not nearly as good as Darius is. Still struggles to navigate screens on defense. Like there's stuff he does really really well. There's stuff he needs to improve on. Um, I, the Cavs are not in a position where like I think they are going to give him an extension this summer. I would be kind of blown away if they paid him a bunch of money. I don't. The trade thing is is hard because if I'm them, and I'm looking at this. He scored 24 a game last year. Maybe he's going to be like a 20 game, 20 point a game scorer going forward. Why would if your if your goal is to make the play next year? I don't know exactly why you're trying to just move on from that for, for picks or like that that talent. Like maybe you're going to remake your guard rotation this this summer and kind of retool it and, and go more defense and build and really emphasize Darius. Like maybe you do that. At the same time, like his scoring is is sort of needed and. It needs to get more efficient, and the offense as a whole needs to get more efficient for the whole team. But, like, it's hard to just punt on that guy when you, you're trying to win more games next year. And that's clearly kind of the goal, I think, of the organization. But I, you could tell me anything right now. It's so hard to know. <laughs> I don't think they're going to give him, like, a max max extension. I think there's a number that could make sense for both sides if you could get there. I'm pessimistic that it's going to happen this summer at this point. Um, and, and we'll see. It's just one of those things where it's, it's kind of tricky and um, – I, I know everyone has very strong opinion on this one way or the other. <laughs> well, Chris, at that point, too, I, I feel like for for Sexton, just because in order to make up for some of the defensive you know, inefficiencies when it comes to him and Garland, do you look to possibly bring him off the bench possibly at that point to you know maybe offset some of that but still keep that scoring pop with the second unit? I think JB is going to have – I like. I just don't expect the Cavs. Like, everyone has been like, okay, like, can the Cavs just, like, run it back and, like, just be better? And, like, there's going to be some of that. I don't know what the there's, – there's just no way you ha- you bring back, like, the same thing and Mobley is the only change to me. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, maybe it's not opening night. Maybe it's not in the first ten games of the season. But, like, would it shock you if, like, they bring in – let's just say they bring in, like, Reggie Bullock and they're like, okay, like, look. This is, we're struggling to start the year. The spacing is cramped because we're playing these two bigs. We don't want to not to not start Mobley. Kevin is whatever's happening with Kevin has happened with Kevin at this point. Like I, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> who who knows? But 
I would. I wonder if you get to a point where, like, you're saying, like, the obvious thing is to, like, to just, like, you stagger them anyway, but let's just pre-stagger it and go this way. I don't know, but, like, I just wonder if there's a point where, like, you do make a change and that's, like, the obvious one you make. It's not, like, an easy change. I, like, guys like starting. Colin's done a lot for this organization. They've marketed him in a, in a really big way. Like, he's a good player, a good guy. Um, I, I don't think he loves all the nuttiness that people have about him online. I think people getting weird is not something that appeals to him. Uh, it doesn't strike me as such. But, like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that is a scenario that, like, they have to consider if, if they're trying to get somewhere. And that's, like, the obvious change to make because you don't want to, like, bench Evan Mobley, like, tang up in his career or whatever. Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs from Fear of the Sword. You guys can find him on Twitter at CWM Wright. Chris, thank you so much for hopping out with me today, my friend. Mac, anytime, brother. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.